G'day community, it's Clarky here, here for another episode of the Mailbag. We're back for 2022. Uh, Damo is not on this week, uh, so I've gotten the brilliant Baron to join me. Baron, how you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, it's good to good to be here, and you get to be on the inaugural episode. That's uh, it's quite fun for you. Yes, this is uh, very exciting. We'll uh, As... we'll give it one go, and then see if people are going. Where's Damo? Bring Damo back for crying out loud! Yeah, I don't I don't think people realize just how much of a, an integral part of recording Damo always is. Is the organized one of the bunch? So yeah, this could um, just meander off into directions nobody knows where. Absolutely. Uh, how's how's your start to twenty twenty two going? Uh, not too bad. My uh, Supercoach team has been locked in since I've revealed it. I haven't even uh, bothered going on and uh, looking at it. It's been completely locked in. What's that been like? I've, uh, I'm filled with uncertainty and doubt and FOMO. So I've, I've had so much time for uh, activities. You just <laughs> don't know about it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's always good. So we'll crack into some of these questions. So I've got the first one here. Uh, from John DJ59 on Twitter. Love, love Johnny. He's uh, quite active on the Twitter community. So thanks for sending in your question. So he's asked the best soaring usually comes from midfields and rucks. So he has four primos and Rowell at M5, plus Gorn and Grundy in the rucks. He's worried about his back line only having three premiums. So he's wondering if he's done the right thing or if he should swap a premium mid for a premium defensive player. Uh, I would never recommend swapping a mid-primo for a defensive one just because you're going to score better with a mid-primo. And I don't think you're at all alone only having um, three premiums in the back line. Like, I think that's fairly common. The most I've ever seen is maybe people having Sicily at four. Um, I've gone different. I've gone for four, but that's just because I'm being different for the sake of being different almost. But three is absolutely fine. I would recommend sticking with the four primos and Rao and then the Gordon Grundy. Yeah, I'd probably say three primos in defense is kind of the standard from a lot of teams that I've seen this year, just because there's a few options in that mid-price area as well. And people are kind of taking some jumps on them, like McCartan, um, Hewitt's been quite popular, and uh, Chapman is another one. So we're worried. I think the community itself, I could say, are pretty. we're pretty worried about the rookie situation as we are every year. So you're always going to make those more points from those mid-primos. So as he kind of said, there's there's not a lot of benefit really to be had unless it was a pricing thing. So it's always important, I think, to remember that, yes, you might be feel a little light on that, but the points difference that you make up from having a keeper mid and having say a keeper defender like a defender is not really going to go you know 130 plus very often but a premium mid is probably going to do that a couple of times over the year which is going to help you in those rounds where they do beautiful yeah. <laughs> that covers that covered that one off quite nicely good on good start time. that's it so we've got another one from magic gnome on twitter so this is another defense question uh, so he's asking for our thoughts on Lloyd versus Stewart versus Crisp. Um, I think it's much of a muchness, to be honest, between those three. I think people people really like Crisp and they really like Stewart for the same reason. Consistency yep. um, and lack of injury. And Lloyd is obviously probably the most consistent top defender, I think, of recent history in terms of finishing number one, what, the last three or four years? 
as a defender. Yeah. Um, Lloyd was an interesting one because I went back and looked at his scores. So, like, over his last four years, he's been 112, 108.9, 122 in 2020, and then 107.8 last year. So he's been fairly consistent, like you said, the top scorer, I think, over the last four years probably, definitely. But that 2021 always stands out because he – like 122 from a defensive player is just massive. Like that's crazy. That's midfield numbers, you know. Um, and I think everyone keeps expecting him to have the chance to go back up to that. But I'm not sure if that's just the case of like 2020 was a weird season. He had nine games where he scored above 120. Yeah, that was year. that that was the inflated scoring year as well? Yeah. So quarters. if you look at his stats, he actually averaged more disposals, better efficiency last year. But his points went down 14.6 or whatever, you know. Um, I don't have the kicking numbers to um, see if that changed at all, but I wouldn't expect it would have. Um, So I think if you're expecting, if you're picking Lloyd to expect him to potentially jump up to that 122 level again, it's probably not worth it. With that being said, he is still probably the best pick of the lot. You just need to temper your expectations a bit slightly on. I think um, the the three that is named there are probably, and I would add Daniel Rich into that and make it like a four, but it's kind of in my head the same question as, you know, who do you start out of Jack McRae, Took Miller, Jack Steele and Clayton Oliver? It's kind of the same question where pick one or two and you're probably going to have to leave the other two. Yep. The thing with Lloyd, I think, is that he is as probably as expensive as he's going to be but he's not going to venture too much further up. And I don't think he's going to drop down enough that he's definitely somebody I think personally, there's been a few times where I'm like, oh, I might be able to pick him up during the season and I just haven't. I think he's top price and that's pretty much what he's going to stay. So if you want him as a keeper, start off with him. But I think there's probably, and it's minuscule, it is absolutely minuscule, but there's slightly more value in Tom Stewart or Jack, Jack Crisp, just in terms of consistency and in terms of scoring um, price as well. I think Tom Stewart is like literally $1,000 less than Jake Lloyd. Yeah. And Jack Crisp, I think, is probably the best, better value, like the best value option. And it's, yeah, I don't, I don't think you should stress too much about which one of the three. Choose what fits your structure. If that extra 1K makes a difference in a position elsewhere, then you know, take the take the money, but if you're confident that you just want to not worry about it, go with Jake Lloyd. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's followed that up as well, Where and this is probably, you might have some insight into a few of these players. Uh, Hinge, Gibkiss, or Sin, if named round one. Yeah, that's a interesting one, because mostly we can only go off of... Uh what we've seen from the uh, preseason games, considering Hinge is injured mostly last year and Gibbicus and uh, Sin are rookies. So if you look at their um, scores over the preseason, Gibbicus only played the one game for a 65. Hinge played the two for a 79 and a 64 for a 71.5 average. And where was Sin? Sin um, only played... No, he played the both games, sorry, and he had a 55 and a 28 for a 41.5. He had that 28 in the second game, which I think they cut the time down in terms of the amount of players they put out there for um, Port just to try and replicate their um, 
round one team a bit more. So I don't think he played at all the first half of that one. Um, so that probably puts him at the bottom if his job security isn't there early. It's hard to tell, really. Um, Gibkiss looks like he's going to be named round one, but they're also missing uh, Dylan Grimes for the first week or two, I think. Um, and Hinge looks likely for a spot, but they, he might be competing with uh, Wayne Miller for a spot. But you also have to consider that Paul Seedsman won't be back anytime soon. So if you consider um, Hinge potentially slotting in for someone like Jake Kelly, who's left, he, that's a role he could also take across halfback. So I would probably rank them as named Hinge, Gibkiss, and Sin, one, two, three. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I, I don't currently have Hinge, but that was mostly just a price thing. Um, Gibkiss seems to be all but set for round one debut. Sin is highly spoken about at Port, but you know your guess is as good as mine if he's actually going to be there. So um, yeah, Hinge, Gibkiss, Sin, I think in order of priority for who's named. Uh, they're all around the same prices though. So it will kind of be, I think best case scenario would be Sin, but then he's got no job security just because he's, I think about 20K cheaper than, you know, 20 or 30K cheaper than Hinge. But you're going to have to go with Hinge or Gibkiss, I think come round one pending other rookies. Yeah, fingers named. crossed on fingers that. Fingers crossed on that. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to, we've got one from Matthew Freebury on Twitter. Uh, he says he's placing bets on Rowan Marshall and Adam Trelaw to go 110 plus this year. Any thoughts on these selections? Yeah, that's a really super difficult one to predict. Um, obviously, Trelaw has a bit more history going 110 plus. Like, you know, in 2016, he averaged 111. Uh, 2018, he almost got there at 109.5, but he was uh, missed eight games, eight or nine games that year. Uh, 2019, he got 113. 2020, he got 109.4. Again, he missed a lot of time, only played eight games. And then last year, he created down to 88.8, which obviously his first year at the Bulldogs with a complete role change. Um, and missed a lot of time through injury. Yeah, again, yeah, he only played 13 games last year. So... Just based on potential roles, you would maybe lean towards Marshall because he's going to be a number one ruck, whereas Trelaw could be one of those 50-50 guys where he's stuck up forward sometimes, not always on the ball, and he's competing with a lot of talent when he is on the ball. You know, you don't need to go through yeah. the names there. So I would probably lean towards Rowan Marshall, but both definitely have the potential to do it. I Yeah, I think, look... I am a firm believer in supporting people who want to back their guts. Sometimes you just get a good, good feeling about some players. And I think Rowan Marshall and Amtrell, as you said, they've both pretty much done it before and definitely have the ability. It's going to come down to role. Rowan Marshall has spent a lot of time injured, which is concerning to me. Um, I think in the inner sanctum, uh, I think the professor referred to him as a a piece of paper uh, or something similar in terms of durability. But, I think that the biggest concern I have with picking Marshall is that he's ruck only at the moment. So I can't justify putting him as R2 or even R3 just purely on that, just because I don't like, you know, it's it's too much to miss out on one of the other big guys. The second he gets forward eligibility, yeah, yeah. again, hopefully, um, he he would have been a must start, I think, if he had forward eligibility still. And same with Trelaw. Trelaw is valuable. I think his value is undeniable. 
um, at at the price that he's at in the forward line. So if you're going to start him, absolutely back him in. So I've gone with Dunkley, I think, over Trelaw. Uh, but that's just because that's that's where I spent my bit. My, that's my big dog in the in the front line. So definitely, I, look, I think if he went one ten plus, wouldn't be surprised. So it's a great call, I think, from Matthew there. But uh, back your back your gut in, man. Do absolutely do it. Um, so we got another one from uh, Quinton Quarantino. <laughs> Uh, from Twitter, less of a question, but he says, Archie Perkins deserves more discussion. I don't have a question. I just want it to be known. And, you know, talking about backing your gut in, you know, I, I absolutely support you to back your gut in. I think I Patch isn't here, so I can't ask a direct Essendon question. But I my question is, is that where where is he going to get the points from? At, like in that Essendon lineup, like he's definitely an important part of Essendon's growth over the coming years um, and an absolute like football talent. But I just, I don't see it this year, but I think he might be a slow improver over the next couple of years. Cause looking at his super coach course as well over the last year, anywhere between I think 15 to 50 over that season, uh, over the 2021 season. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about Archie Perkins or give him some airtime. Yeah, no, he's a, Super player. I remember uh, when we played the Bombers last year, I think he got like, he had like a Tom Lynch, the Crows Tom Lynch type of game, you know, where he got like 18 disposals and six marks and three goals, like just forward of the ball, you know, he was really dangerous. So that's the potential he has. Obviously, you can't expect a 19-year-old to do that kind of thing consistently. So at this stage, like, not something that's super coach relevant, but he definitely has the potential to be a great player for the Bombers. Yeah, beautiful. But look, as I said, back your gut in. You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Really, we're all, I think everyone kind of is picking one person in that kind of like, oh, just throw one out there, especially in the mids and the forwards. So, um, you know, if you've got room to take a chance, take your chance, you know, and if it doesn't work, just trade boost out. Uh, the trade boost this year is probably going to be my most look forward to feature for me pulling out of me doubling down. Yeah, trade boost is going to be awesome. There's going to be um, all sorts of complaints. Oh, I've used all my. Oh, did why did I do that? Oh. <laughs> um, well, that actually that actually factors into probably the next question, uh, which we got from Azza, the the one of the beloved stats boys of the Jock Reynolds team. Uh, so he says something that hasn't been discussed much is planning for buy rounds. Has that been a consideration for your teams? That has not at all been a consideration for my team because <laughs> um, first off, I'm not going to not make a selection I want to make just because, oh, he has the same buy around as whoever else I have in my team. And secondly, my I'm bound to get someone injured. I'm bound to have to trade someone out. Like I could spend all day planning for my team now, but potentially what it's going to be by around 12 does the buy around start, I think. Yeah. What my team is going to be looking like by round 12, I don't know. So it just sort of seems like a bit of a waste of time to spend the whole heap of time planning it out at the moment. You can definitely look and see. And you know, if you're up in between two players, should I pick this one or that one? You can you might then consider how it impacts your buy rounds, but I've not spent a, a ton of time um, worrying about that. Yeah, I think so... When I did my team reveal, uh, it wasn't something I quite thought about at the time, but I think one of the first comments was uh, that I saw was all three of your premium defenders have the same buy round. And I was like, hmm, 
I'll just trade boost out. <laughs> so, look, when it comes to buy rounds for me, you just got to have 18 bodies and you've got to hope that you've got the 18 best bodies that you can. Trade boost for me, I think, will be absolutely invaluable for that. There's always every year, even last year where I did kind of try to plan myself a bit better going for the buy rounds, I still ended up, I think, really poor in just one of the rounds, which kind of wrecked the whole run home of my season. So I think the trade the trade boost feature is kind of perfect for that. I'm not planning on using a trade boost unless I absolutely have to um, be a little bit more conservative during the year with my trades and just make sure I'm making the right moves. So then if I get to that one round and it's not quite working out, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm happy to just sideways for one week um, just to get that body on field. You know, if I have to go like a Jordan Ridley to somebody else for that one week, so be it. I'm going to use the trade boost to get myself in and out of that. And you get five of them. So say use two for one in one out. Um, it's not the best. It's probably not the best way to think about it as a get out of jail free card, but that's my current plan just because I don't think it's, as you said, you can't not pick someone just because it doesn't fit your buyer structure. Um, you know, you're kind of going to pick people up over the year anyway. And we always talk about how the buyers are where you really start upgrading anyway. So it really should be more, the buy planning for me comes when you're picking those people out of the season where you go, Oh, hang on. I'll, you know, I'll keep an eye on Cam Guthrie because he's been having a really good season. He might suit for my team or, you know, Christian Pedraka or, you know, Matt Rowell, he'll be up there or, you know, pick any other name, Matt Crouch. Uh, yeah. I think is probably somebody who is on my radar for improvement this year. Uh, Patrick Cripps as well. He's yeah. another one that sits in that category where I don't want to start him, but if he's having a good year, I'm going to definitely see if he fits my structure come time for upgrading. Um, unless he comes out and absolutely smashes it, in <laughs> which case I'll uh, find a way to get him in. Corrective trades. I guess that maybe the only time I would maybe seriously consider it is if you're just going for uh, league wins, if you're in a cash league or something, or you just want to whoop your mates. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then if you're not worried about overall rank, you could probably maybe plan it a bit better because you're not obviously worried about trying to get the best score every week. You just want to get the best score within your group. So yeah, you just got to beat that guy. <laughs> and then maybe getting an extra three wins over the buy rounds, uh, would be a huge boost for you. So maybe that's when you would seriously consider it. But I think most people seem to play for the the overall rank anyway. So I think, yeah, it's play how you feel comfortable as well. Yeah. I think that's the other thing. I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves to like, I, and I do it to myself where I have massive FOMO a lot of the time of, um, you know, picking somebody over another person and worried about where it's going to fall apart you know, 10 rounds from now when the season hasn't even started. So just remember, just be happy with the team that you've started, be comfortable with the team that you've started with and everything else you can sort of plan as you go and make those notes once once the scores start rolling in and once the stats are there for you to really make some informed decisions because everything up until round one is complete is just guesswork. Yeah. It's it's all guesswork. So And, and there will be players you miss out on. Like, you know, no one would have picked Taylor Walker last year and then I think... Pretty much everyone traded him in after round two because that was just too much to pass up. So there will be a player like that that pops up again. Maybe it'd be Paddy Cripps, like you mentioned, or someone like that. So you just, if you miss out, it's not like you've missed out forever. You know, you've still got two weeks to jump on them and get on the train. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
so yeah, just speaking of some team structure stuff, uh, how much how much cash do you have left over in your current team? And do you think there's a right amount of money you should have left over, or do you think it's kind of a pick what you want and then whatever you've got work with it? There's no right amount to have left over, but you have to have a contingency plan if you don't have any money left based on what I like to do is when I do my initial team, we don't know who the rookies are, so there's not much point in obsessing over that yet. But I like to price my rookies that I put on my bench at 123K and then build the rest of my team around that because the worst thing you want to do is have your team starting team completely set but you've got a whole bunch of 102K rookies on your bench and then finding out, oh, crap, these guys aren't playing. And then suddenly you've got to pull all this money out of your main side and start making all these changes to be able to boost your rookies back up. So if you don't have any cash left, you just you might have to give that a consideration that, hey, I might need to pull some money out of my main side somewhere and you might make plans around that. So I have 100K left in my bank at the moment just based on I don't, want to change my main side too much and if i need to move 123k rookie up to a heath chapman or someone like that i could do that with one one click yeah again it's just where you feel comfortable yeah look i've i've got 5k (laughs) you've said that but everything that you said is right but i've done it similar but different to how you do it's actually probably the most planning that i do going into the season where i try to I try to pick slightly more expensive rookies just because based on the information that we have of who's doing well in the training track and things like that. So in my current team, I've got, you know, Rochelle, I've got Ward, I've got Dacos, I've got Horn Francis, I've got, you know, um, I've got Patrick Nash, I've got Will Brody, I've got, you know, McCartan. So these are all guys who they're like, hundred, you know, 200K to 150K. And then I filled out with a couple 123. So, if it comes round one and Rochelle isn't playing, but say Cooper Stevens is, I'm gonna I'm just gonna make that trade down because mm-hmm. I've then then that creates the extra cash for me because once again I'm going off the information that we have. Yep. Like it's like I said, it's all just guesswork until we see who's named round one. So I like to guess spending more money and then be happy that I've spending not less. had yeah. That I've not had to spend that. And if I do, then... You've already planned for it, so it's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have to stress to find an extra 50K. And it's given me pretty much every primo that I want um, in terms of... like I'm relatively happy with my premium structure based on that. So I think you're right. There's no set amount, but I think you need to really think about the placeholder rookies that you have because... 100%, there's going to be one in every team at least where you go, well, they're not playing. So, you know, you've got probably one that you'll benchmark for 102 who's going to be a loophole player. Yep. And then everybody yeah, else. Not considering your loophole player, yeah. And then everybody else, like I think for me at the moment, it's currently Sitius. Sitius. Yep. Um, from Gold Coast, just because they've got their last game of round one. Um, you know, it's there's always going to be one that you're like, well, that's just missed cash opportunity. So you want to make sure that you've picked and brought in those people who feel like they've got that amount to make. Uh, so we've got one from the professor, uh, one of our new additions to the Jock Reynolds crew over the off season. Good draft for us. Uh, runs the Super Coach computer, and so his question for me for us seems that there's two big structures floating around at the moment. 
One is to go deep in defense and mids and light on the forwards uh, due to better forward rookie options with one premium ruck and another sub 600k ruck. The second option is a more balanced approach of traditional guns and rookies with set and forget. So his question is, which strategy do we think is more beneficial um, or which one's the better one? So I don't think it's kind of difficult. I think it just depends on where where you're really sitting with everything. I'm enjoying kind of the mid-price madness. I kind of love it a little bit. It's a bit addictive. Um, but I think realistically you kind of, you let the rookies dictate your team, um, come round one. You want to make sure, like we were just saying, you want that structure of, to make sure you've got the guys who are the sure things and then minimizing your risk for the whole season going into it. Yeah, it is a bit, like I said, it's a bit like gambling. It's, it's, it can be addictive and you, you think of all the potential scores you could get at the end, you know, and you're like, Oh, if this, if this pulls off, you know, if I pull this off, oh, oh, oh. for me though, I've gone for the first um, structure, but that's more to do with the players gaining, potentially gaining the dual eligibility after round six, which I think is potentially could open up a whole set of options for your team especially up forward because we get so many more players who seem to rotate between the mid and the forward lines nowadays. Um, so that opens up a whole range of um, forward line options. I think more than any, it'll be players gaining mid forward eligibility. Um, so if you've got a whole bunch of mid prices there, you've potentially got three or four different players you can upgrade to that you wouldn't be able to do if you had have gone the standard three or four deep to start with up forward. Um, so just for me and potentially being able to then differentiate your side a whole lot more, a whole lot earlier, I've gone for number one. But again, that's it's one of those, there's no wrong answer to this. Like it's just you set your team up how you feel comfortable. You could go F1 to F6 for the primos, you know, that's not a wrong way to do it if you feel comfortable doing it that way. Now, I know that you have wits as your R2. Yes. So I think the one thing about that first structure is that I do struggle with, as somebody who started Matt Flynn last year, I don't think I can go back to the stress of having a rookie or cheap R2. Um, But I think I definitely agree that overall it's kind of a balance between the two options. I think looking for where the value is, like I think Stephen Canelio, if you don't have Stephen Canelio, he needs to be in a hundred percent of teams. Yeah. Like the only reason that people are seem to be going a little bit more mid price and a little bit more light in the forward line is just, it's purely dictating based on the information that we have of what players are going to be available come round one. And it seems like in the forward line, you've got Mitch McGovern who, has like the mo- the most valuable thing he has job security and, and a, a clear role too I think yeah and an so, intercepting intercepting yeah. defender role off halfback but job security is is yeah. really important as well to that um, Stephen Canelio he's going to be he's a mid forward he's priced at two hundred fifty k and he's a guy who can average ninety you know Will Brody if you listen to Damo is going to be a, a seventy plus player easily. Um, So I think a lot of those are being dictated by we want someone who we know is going to be there, we know has scoring potential. So 
I think it's kind of finding that balance in between that. We would all be going guns and rookies if the debutants allowed us to. Yep. I think that's like that's just a reality. I think I don't think anyone in their right minds would think otherwise. But it's the reason why we differentiate ourselves in those pods and in those rookie choices or those mid price options. So I think the I say this as somebody who like is very much on the outside of a a top finish. Um I think last year was my best result and I was in somewhere in the top ten K, which was a decent result for me. Um but like the the balance between the two is always going to be like, we're always going to look back to round one in round 20 and go, well, it looks like the best result was guns and rookies or the best result was to take some chances. Um, the, the mid, like the middle of the season is always unpredictable. So I think go with feeling comfortable with your own structure is more important than feeling, feeling out like a checking a box of what everyone else is doing. So I would go with option probably one myself just based on availability just because give yourself the flexibility and feel happy with the decisions that you've made yeah does that make sense absolutely i rambled on a little bit there's that's well (laughs) welcome to the mailbag back (laughs) to 2022 same same old thing and we've got one from patch um so he also asked uh, he's bad at super coach and how to fix his team but then he sent through a real question (laughs) Um, and he asked, how many 200 to 300k forwards is too many? And my immediate response was to him, if he has to ask, he has too many. <laughs> um, but that being said, everything that we just said there, given forward eligibility, I I struggle like banking on people who are going to get mid forward um, based on the changing positions this year. So I think... There's a lot of value to be had in that 200 to 300k range, but you also don't want to miss out on just getting a few guys who are going to make up the difference for the unknowns. Um, like the Josh Dunkley seems relatively a relatively sure thing for 90 plus. Zach Butters, you know, barring injury last year, he would he would be much higher on people's lists for this year. Um, Adam Trelaw, like we just spoke about. Tom Hawkins seems to do it every year. So I think missing out on a couple of those guys in order to take those risks, as long as you're prepared to take the risks, then you can have eight, you know, eight if you really want patch. Yeah, I'd say thinking about it, if you push 200 down to like 180 where a show is, we've probably all got four, maybe. Yeah. Starting yeah, on our right. forward yeah. six. So. Maybe you would say... I think, hang on, what's Cornelio? Cornelio is in currently... He's 280, isn't he? 260, and he yeah. is currently in 71% of teams. Yeah. So that's the other thing. If you're... I wouldn't stress too much. It's kind of the um the groupthink kind of mentality, isn't it? Where it minimizes the risk massively if 70% of everybody else has them. Um. So I think it's less of I, I wouldn't even count Cornelio in that risk bracket. And the same, I think McGovern's about forty percent or so, yeah. and that massively makes me feel more comfortable to start him. So if you're using the money elsewhere, Patch, <laughs> I talk specifically to you, but anyone else who wants to listen, um, if you're using the money valuably elsewhere as well, that makes up the difference. So yeah, it's not like you've just left the money sitting on the bench four hundred k, you know, because I've spent so many two hundred k forwards. Um, 
And and I don't know if we trust Patch to use his money wisely, but we'll hope he is. I think Patch has the best intentions. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's um. So I've got quite a few friends and uh, family who I've gotten into Supercoach uh, just because I very much throw them. I, hey, I wrote this thing. Give me attention. You want uh, some uh, <laughs> easy beats in your league, do you? Just like yeah, that's it. <laughs> I filled it out with some family and friends, and it's um, it's really hard to kind of explain it to people who like football but haven't really had that much experience with like fantasy, yeah, uh, in general. But the best thing that I, the best piece of advice that I feel like, and I, I feel like I'm probably already said that, but the best piece of advice that I keep on giving them is, you know find a list of you know say the top 10 forwards and just pick two of them so you know it's okay to just go with those short things and minimize your risk over the long term um you know i think putting too much of that into your team early on can be really dangerous so that's i wouldn't recommend having a forward line full of mid prices yeah um that's that's the biggest that's the biggest thing. I wouldn't even recommend having in the midfield, <laughs> um, having that many. I've seen some people's structures um, go straight from like Jack McRae to Patrick Cripps. Really? Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen one. Uh, that person may have been a madman, but I also, <laughs> I wholeheartedly support them to really yeah. throw it out there. So the best thing you can do is just consider, consider risk overall and look at the scoring trends of what's going to happen, the reason why those people are in people's teams and you know it's it can be quite daunting speaking specifically for like a new player yeah um so i think educated guess if you're yeah if you're in a league that's sort of going for as as we were talking about before if you're just looking for head-to-head you're playing in the cash league because your mates have dragged you in from work or whatever minimize as much risk as you can don't pick a forward line full of mid prices <laughs> Um, but if you're like us, um, I think I could say, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, Baron, but I think as experts, the one thing we love is knowing what the safe option is and then zagging when we should have zigged. Yes. So it could backfire on us, but the, the, I think the bigger thing is when it comes to those prices and you touched on it before, because it is an educated guess, but there is a reason why you're picking them. You're not just picking them because you go, oh, he's 200 K. So that'll work. Each one we've picked with the Caniglio, the McGovern's, the Brodies, there is a specific hope of what they can achieve, and that's why we're picking them. So it's yeah, there's not too many, and there's not to say oh you haven't picked enough. As long as there's a reason for why you're picking them, I think you can yeah run with as many as you want. Maybe yeah, but again, that then comes back to then you want to what your risk profile is like as well. Yeah, back yourself in, have fun. Yeah, that's what it's about. It's about having that's fun. That's what it's about. Um, so, yeah, that that's all the questions we've got for this week. Uh, I'd like to say, Baron, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it'll probably be the start of round one by the time this comes out. So any final thoughts going in from the 2022 preseason? Uh, no, I'm probably going to um, maybe uptake my coffee uh, intake and then start smoking so i am an absolute nervous jittery mess by the time i'm at uh adelaide oval for round one 
yeah, and you can start and quit smoking, so you've got like the real, like the that, yeah, just the real jitters. jitters, and then yeah. and then I'll watch us kick four goals against Fremantle, and you'll <laughs> they'll cut to the stands, and there'll be some dude in the crowd just losing his shit. And that'll be me, so be on the lookout for that, everyone. Yeah, uh, I'll be at the Melbourne game round one, uh, the Melbourne Bulldogs game. So I know exactly what you mean. I'm going to be <laughs> nervous as hell. Um, knowing that I've got Jack McRae, Christian Pachaka, Max Gorn, and Josh Dunkley in my team. Yeah. So I'll be really torn for I want good super coach scores, but also I would love a win for that uh, that flag unfurling. So that's going to be a really nice moment for me, considering I didn't get to go to that grand final. Yeah, um, definitely. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be going to be really great. I've got to go in with a few family members. Nice. Um, but yeah, 2022 preseason has been... It's been wild. So thank you so much, community, for looking at all our stuff. I'm pretty sure this is the last pod going out. So I'll just throw out a quick, you know, thank you so much for your involvement over the preseason. We absolutely love you. There's heaps of great stuff still coming over the course of the season. So we'll be back for a mailbag, most likely after round one. So you got any questions, jot them down, send them into our email. Uh, We've got jockmailbag at gmail.com. Uh, and I'll probably be bald as an eagle as well by the next time I record. Wonderful. So, you can join uh, the Brotherhood. Only absolutely. temporarily, though. It'll grow back for you. That's all right. And, Baron, <laughs> we can find you on Twitter at Baron Von Crow. That is correct. Uh, you can find me at Quantum JC. You can find Damo at Damo SC. I'm currently doing the World's Greatest Shave, which is why I'm going to be bald. So uh, if you head over to my profile, if you can donate some money, we would absolutely love that um shaving on sunday the 20th so uh, it's a great cause are you going to be uh live streaming it on your twitter or something uh i might take videos just because i'm coordinating it with my 30th birthday party (laughs) take videos then definitely yeah absolutely so there'll be some footage of that next week for everyone's enjoyment and yeah we'll stop rambling and thank you so much community we love you bye